Anything's possible, though, because, you know, Bitcoin is money, so, you know, money talk, man. Welcome to the Bitcoin Podcast, powered by Cointelegraph. What began as a small experiment is now a rapidly expanding ecosystem. As citizens of the internet, we expect to be able to send money over the internet as quickly and cheaply as sending an email. As citizens of the internet, we demand transparency. Here, we talk about Bitcoin, Ethereum, blockchain industries, fintech, and more. But we're not experts. We're just three guys in the Bitcoin community. And adoption is the only thing that matters. everybody welcome to the bitcoin podcast episode number 114 i am your first host marcello host number two d and i am host number three Corey. welcome boys? to welcome to a wholesome episode that you can listen to with your kids yeah we're not gonna say any cuss words today i don't think no actually we can I'll use this thing I've been waiting to use when I edit. There's a beep. Oh, you're gonna do beeps now? Let's try. Let's try to do beeps in when we we say cuss words so that we can be family yeah. friendly and workplace friendly for a change. Yeah, and so it'll sound if you work like outside of yeah, if you work outside of Silicon Valley, you can actually play our stuff because apparently no one in Silicon Valley cares, and they just bump hard gangster rap and cuss word ridden podcasts all day because they're really forward thinking and retro and hip but for the rest of the world out mm. there we'll be we'll be P- yeah we're not gonna be pc we just won't cuss at you maybe we're gonna say fudge yeah. instead of f-u-c-k <laughs> his kids can't spell yeah so ads let's talk about ads let's talk about advertisements and the people that pay us to, to do this show yeah, let me tell you about escrowmybits.com. Super easy, super cool people. They've been a sponsor for a long, long, long time. And let me tell you why. Because they offer Bitcoin escrow with a locked exchange rate. It's the best way to do escrow. So if you're a listener in Europe or China or you know here, Canada, it doesn't matter. It applies to all listeners. They're going to charge you a small flat escrow fee of 1% on all escrow transactions. And they even offer you the ability to split the fee with the other party. So they've thought of everything. Um, you know, they're gonna hold two of three multi-signature transactions where you're, they're only gonna hold on to one key and you got the rest. So the power uh, pretty much belongs to you. So their goal is to make using escrow as simple as possible. We want there to no longer be any excuses on why not to use escrow. So. Go over to that website, sign up for that newsletter, stay up to date. Yeah, I'm you can on the escrow your with escrow my bits dot. Oh. Um, uh, I'm actually on the website right you. now, and there's you a really nifty, help, helpful little video right in the front that's like, "This is what escrow is. This is why you would use escrow. It's got a cool song to it." And uh, yeah, go check that shit out. Ah, I already broke it. I already. Don't be a child. <laughs> I already cut. Part of being an adult means knowing what escrow is. It is. Because when adults have those conversations, they're like, 
I when I purchased my house, it was in escrow for six weeks. I was terrified. And I like when I was a kid, I was always like, What is escrow? Why do they keep saying that? That is definitely a like, conversation I that I never latched on to as an adult or as, as a child. And now I'm like, oh yeah, that's that would be that would be daunting. <laughs> that would be that would be a very uh very stressful situation. Well, I'll tell you what's not stressful but, using Athena Bitcoin. Ooh. Oh word. Tell me about it. Yeah. Tell me about it. Well that they're the most trusted name in Bitcoin ATMs, and there's a whole bunch out there, and they're number one. And they're one. they're cool because they they sponsor our meetups too. So they're in uh, Houston, Fort Worth, Dallas, Cedar Hill, H H Town, I think I think they're in Atlanta. I don't know. Where a- ATL. Yeah, they're in like seven other U.S. cities, probably more than that now. Uh, download the Athena Bitcoin wallet on the App Store or Google Play for specific locations that I can't remember right now, but they're all on athenabitcoin.com. They're always adding new locations. And we're also brought to you by Athena Bitcoin's portfolio company, bitquick.co. It's the easy peer-to-peer Bitcoin marketplace that is also secure and last but not least quick uh, because you can get Bitcoin for cash in as little as three hours. And they have been serving Bitcoiners for like four years. So where there's a bank, there's Bitquick. And last but not least, my favorite ad, uh, where you can browse uh, the internet anonymously, which is super awesome because there's a lot of sketchy shit out. Uh, sketchy. D, you got to use the, that button. There's some sketchy stuff, stuff out there. Sorry. Uh, VPN services encrypt your connection and provide you with an anonymous IP to protect your privacy. Uh, I'm talking the great folks at Private Internet Access, where <clears throat> they provide VPN tunnel services. <laughs> <laughs> PC Mag uh, said that private internet access outperforms and outfeatures the competition. So I'm going to put that in our show notes. Uh, visit privateinternetaccess.com. You get a seven day money back guarantee, and it's only three thirty three a month. Come on. All right, there's your ads. Yeah. What you know about those? We're Got also all the ads out of the way. Now we slightly brought to you by Athena uh, Trezor because we interview Lena Vernova today. And she's all about treasure. And I think hardware wallets are the shiznit. I didn't say oh, it. I think Vernova needs to send us a duck. It's if we're going to be officially sponsored by her. We're not a, I Wait, if she was all about it, she wouldn't have left, right? This is life after treasure. Oh, see, that's a really good question, right? This is, this is she decides, she describes why she left and what's going on. Mm. And I, I really liked her like explanation on why she did it. And I support her fully. Like, that sounds like a... Was it sexual harassment? Zero sexual harassment. I actually asked her about being a woman mm-hmm. in, in the Bitcoin space. And she said that it's it's awesome and that she thinks it's a benefit of being a woman. She gets she kind of I wouldn't say she said she gets her way, but she she finds that her interactions are, are more positive as a woman in most scenarios. And well, she when- said it and she doesn't really like she hasn't really felt that it affected her too much and she hasn't thought about it too much so well, when you're the one woman that shows up to the dungeons and dragons raid of course you're gonna yeah, it's it's a it's an issue if you make it an issue and she doesn't seem to care that was that was based on the conversation that i had with her and she may she may say otherwise but mm-hmm. we should well, we should just jump into it um... so the listeners can kind of get an idea of you want to just jump straight into it? What you she's don't doing wanna... now. I mean, she's got some things on the rise. For Witty Banner. 
we can have you want some more you witty banter witty? we can save the witty banter for later or just witty okay. banter it up right now no we'll save the witty banter for later uh we're, we're gonna get really witty though yeah mr Extra. castillo there you uh, go you found it <laughs> i did let's get seg witty no. Oh, no. Oh, it's already starting. Dropping there witty bombs already. That's just the beginning. <laughs> All right. Um, let's, uh, let's... So here's the interview. Here it is. I am here with Alina Vanova from, well, used to be from Satoshi Labs, the former CEO of Satoshi Labs. Uh, what she may, what she will be doing is potentially a topic of conversation coming up. Would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, tell everyone about who you are, where you came from, why you're here. Okay. Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me again on this podcast. Um, well, I, as you said, I used to be the CEO of Satoshi Labs until very recently. Satoshi Labs is the company behind uh, Trezor, the hardware wallet, or uh, slash pool, the first Bitcoin mining pool, or coinmap.org, which was the first Bitcoin map out there. Um, so, and this is like a <clears throat> hot news, <laughs> breaking news from, from Prague Czech Republic. Uh, and a lot of people have been asking me, like, what's up, what happened? Is this a bad news? Is this a good news? So I'm pretty happy to have this opportunity to, to talk about it because, um, it's, however, not, somehow not in my capacity to answer to everyone, everyone's questions, yeah. uh, you know, individually, let's say. So thanks for the opportunity. Well, um, how to, where to start? Um, let's start with, for uh, the last, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, well, for the past uh, one year, more or less, we've been um, um, thinking and, and discussing and planning out some future steps for Trezor uh, that come in a package. And one of the like the most important uh, development is the development of Trezor 2. Um, Trezor 2, you know, like the next generation of Trezor, will be uh, not just a completely new piece of hardware, but also a completely new piece of firmware or software. And um, we are literally moving Trezor from the Bitcoin hardware wallet to a security device, a general security device that can make it easy for you to hold not just Bitcoins and other coins, altcoins, but also to protect everything that has value for you and is online. And I'm talking about the passwords, access to websites, uh, to your emails, encryption of documents, um, and so on. So this is like the, the, the past, present, and future of Trezor. And for the past year and for next few months, our team will be working and is working on, on developing this new um, generation of Trezor. And as a part of the <laughs> part of the process, um, we've been searching for the most effective forms of of being and of existing as a team. And uh, we concluded together with Slash and Stick, my, my business partners, that it's in the best interest of Trezor team to keep it small, right? We've been uh, basically starting 2013, the three of us, 
And today, the the team grew into um, 13, 14 people, which is not a huge company. And we like it because it's very, you know, um, it's flexible. Uh, the team works very well together and wants to keep the main focus on the security part. So what we don't want to do is to go um, too wide in in terms of different, you know, applications, in terms of different, um, let's say, business lines, you know, and focus on and then grow the company to 50 or 100 people. So this was one of the strategic points or one of the strategic decisions that we've been doing recently. And um, in order to move on uh, to new businesses, however, we still were looking for a way to do it, right? Mm -hmm. And um, so we decided to keep Trezor team as is. And I would formally step out uh, and continue in new fields. Now, I am not ready to tell you the um, exact plan uh, because now... Uh, <laughs> I know you've been all waiting for, but I said, uh, I will, I need, um, two months to, to plan everything out well, then we'll go public, public about, um, the next plans. But it will be, it's, it's, so to say, um, is it the good news or bad news? It's definitely good news. Uh, I'm quite excited about where we're going, where uh, Trezor is moving, and I hope um, with these steps uh, we can make it even bigger and better and shinier and lovelier. <laughs> That's really exciting news because I've looked into, I mean, I know a lot of, I work for a company that does a lot of security consulting, and um, I, I take security pretty pretty seriously as to like how passwords are created how you manage passwords um and how you you know store your your bitcoin keys or whatever coin keys you just you're talking about and there's there seems to be somewhat of a like i have to use multiple services i can't have a hardware wallet along with a password manager and it seems as though Trezor's trying to move into a solution space that is trying to provide the whole package where you have a hardware digital asset maintain like manager which is, which is, in my opinion, like the the way it should move. You have something that keeps track of all of these precious digital assets in a secure way that can't be tampered with, or at least it's the most secure way. Uh, that's also somewhat convenient, and and that's that's exciting to me. And it's also nice to hear that there's nothing going wrong with you know one of the leading hardware producers, and they're going to continue to keep developing in this space. Uh, that's something that I was kind of curious about when I read the recent news and the blog and so on and so forth. Yes. Yeah. Uh, that, that's, that's natural, uh, to, to, you know, have these questions. Um, now on the, on, on the, on the contrary, I would say it's very positive. Also for me, um, I was, there's another, uh, let's say part to the story, which is uh, my personal part. And um, I'm a business developer, and I have uh, usually have three to four years dedicating to one project. And once it works uh, and, and runs well, I kind of, you know, tend to uh, look for something new. Mm -hmm. And I've been doing this repeatedly 
uh, already in the in the financial business before I started uh, full on Bitcoin. And this is my time. Actually, we started 2013 and we're into 2017. Mm, so it's just, it's just hitting the mark um, where I'm looking for uh, also like having something new. So for the past year, as I said, we've been producing like the new strategy. And also I've been hiring a lot of people to, to take off my duties. So the company is perfectly solid in every aspect and uh, can like uh, release me to create something on top of what we already have. So I'm pretty much excited. Uh, yeah, and sounds, now, uh, you know, that sounds perfect for yeah. what the kind of being a, a serial entrepreneur, it sounds perfect for a kind of like, it's, it's exactly what you would have wanted have, when you started the company and you're exactly where you would like to have been. And, and I guess since you can't really talk about, what you plan on doing, it would be interesting to, to ask you how you feel like what, what the space is like currently, like what, it, what's in the cryptocurrency space for 2017, where do you see development going or, or, or kind of the low hanging fruit for people to kind of latch onto or, or, or see. I'm quite um, interested and I'm, I'm observing. I don't want to say excited because I want to see results <laughs> mm -hmm. first. Uh, but I'm quite interested to see uh, um, um, new, let's say, more privacy-oriented uh, projects like uh, Zcash and Monero on, and these kind of coins. Uh, although I must say I'm... Uh, more on the Bitcoin side, and I've always been. Um, mm -hmm. I've not, I've not been too crazy about altcoins, but um, uh, when I see something that is promising, I, I'm keeping my eye on. So I'm, I'm quite curious about where where Zikash is going to go and whether that's going to be a success or not. Um, and in terms of um, hardware wallets, well, I think the most exciting is still Trezor, <laughs> Trezor 2. Um, and I would like to get back to what you said before, like um, having a uh, security um, uh, that's, that's um, uh, let's say, uh, an, an offline device that's uh, in the hands of the user and it's privacy focus, privacy oriented, and has the capacity to be fully recovered as it is with the Bitcoin Bitcoin Trezor. This is something completely new in the in the security space. Mm -hmm. So when right so if you know um, sec some security solutions like for example I don't know a YubiKey, any kind of these hardware tokens, right? They have certain limitations in terms of privacy, in terms of recoverability, or how do you say it, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. So you can basically, um, most of the tokens use, even though they are pretty much secure for what they do, you still rely on the company that issues them, you still rely on having, let's say, just two backup options and that's it. So when you lose two of them, it's done, mm -hmm. right? And mm -hmm. to recover is very difficult. So once you introduce a security token that the user controls completely and can recover anytime, I think this is a shift in, in 
the security for end users. So I'm, th- th- this is a part that I'm pretty much excited about. And of course, the fact that uh, Trezor has a, uh, a display gives a huge advantage to to other tokens that just simply or blindly sign <laughs> whatever you ask them to, right? Mm-hmm. Have you seen the uh, prototype for Trezor 2? I have not seen the prototype for Trezor 2. Okay. I think you could find some pictures if you go to blog.trezor.io. Uh, just simply scroll through. There must be uh, maybe a presentation from Buenos Aires that we did in November. So try a look in November issues. Um, and just to give you an idea how Trezor will look like. So it will have a slightly larger screen. It will be square mm-hmm. and rotating. So whichever position you insert it to a computer, you just swipe uh, the screen, which will be a touch screen to adjust the position. Right, so we'll um, probably, thanks to the new um, touchscreen, we will skip the uh, blind matrix for pin entry. Um, and you will be entering the pin directly on Trezor. It's still, still going to be the shuffled pin, but um, on Trezor directly. Uh, it will have... It will have um, I think the very last uh, status of our decision-making about the USB will be USB 3. But (laughs) it's still like the hardware is still in prototyping, so this this thing may change. Um, It will not have uh, buttons anymore. Those will be replaced by the touchscreen. And uh, one of the very nice uh, new... Features will be a um, SD card slot. Um, so you'll be able to have um, your private keys or any kind of, you know, s- um, sensitive documents simply stored on an SD card and encrypted by Trezor, uh, which is a pretty convenient way to, for example, transport documents when you're traveling, important Very stuff, so. and not not having to fear of losing well when you lose it it's encrypted right um yeah so i'm excited and the the the, the major part of all, all this is uh as i said the new firmware stack uh the new software uh is completely rebuilt and will allow uh, other developers to actively participate and develop their own uh, apps with either Python or Java, JavaScript, which are both like entry-level languages for programmers. And we want to make it super easy for IT um, integrators, you know, IT, IT security companies to get the Trezor and integrate in whatever systems they need and to build, you know, encryption messaging for for the purposes of their clients or for themselves. And this is a big step for us because, uh, as you may know, you know, for hardware, you usually code in C, which is not a very simple language. No. And we felt like during the past two years, our team has been the, a bottleneck 
for a lot of um, a lot of implementations. So we've we've gotten thousands of requests for you know adding this and that coin and for adding these features and those features. And um, we try to you know encourage other developers, for example, you know. Uh, any altcoin, Ethereum, uh, uh, or basically about anything. Uh, we try to encourage them and help them out, but it always came down to like, okay, they needed to study Trezor uh, into detail and they needed to master C and then, you know, it was kind of difficult. So one of the main reasons for rebuilding the entire stack was to allow anyone that who's just starting with with programming who understands python right to to go and code uh security apps with trezor that's really important that, that you're able to allow people to tap into it at the level they'd like to um and not have you know a, a deep knowledge of of somewhat difficult languages like c yeah, yeah, you know, and then see to see uh, that that the product has so many, um, um, so, so much like uh, how do you how do you say? Oh my god, today I'm forgetting the words. <laughs> Sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, can you cut? <laughs> no, <laughs> it's all live. Able to cut? All natural. <laughs> it's more fun that okay, way. okay. No, cool, cool for me. Uh, I hope your listeners um, are. Um, well, respect my <laughs> my not non-native English. Um, what was I? We were talking about the, the the how you're kind of allowing people to tap into the program at, at various different levels. Yeah, because it, it, it tends to get frustrating when you when you know uh, that there are amazing opportunities for uh, end-user security and privacy with this, you know. With this nice little security token, and it can be done because it's difficult. So we've we've really um, tried to to make it as easy as possible. Now everyone's asking me for ETA. As usual, our team is not giving any ETAs mm-hmm. um, since I mean we are doing innovations. When you do innovations, sometimes you hit the right spot. Uh, within a day, and sometimes it takes weeks or months to find the the right right solution. So we're not giving ETA. We're hoping to have Trezor two, uh, though in a few months um, time, hopefully. All right, let's uh, let's uh, let's move into I guess a little more of a like a, a personal story. I've uh, I've always liked hearing about um, why people got into the space and the kind of perspective they saw when they got into the space, because everyone who like Bitcoin touches many different types of people. And we all have somewhat of a different viewpoint of why it's an important innovation or where it can go. And I was curious about what, what made you jump in and kind of leave the comfortable world of, of traditional finance and, and kind of start these, these, these ventures. And what is it about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency that, that you feel is the point? Well, I was probably a little bit different uh, than many, many others that I know of who usually get into Bitcoin thanks to mining or thanks to trading. 
my my interest in Bitcoin started in 2010, um, and at that time I was um, I was still in the financial industry. I was the head of sales in a big insurance company, so pretty much a demanding job. And in order to not get crazy from working, I decided to study. And <laughs> my my choice. <laughs> On top of it, yeah, right? Of and um, and so um, I took on uh, the master's program in uh, economic diplomacy, and <clears throat> I got I was fascinated by the world of money, and I was writing my thesis that I finally not did not finish, but <laughs> that doesn't that wasn't so important. And the 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 thesis was about international monetary system. And why the petrodollar won't hold forever, and why the euro is a um, project to be failed, and um, why renminbi or yuan won't be so fast there to replace um, dollar and so on. And I was looking for alternatives to the current system. So um, mainly local currencies and, uh, you know, different let's programs and barter and so on. And then I found about Bitcoin and I was blown away uh, by its properties and by the decentralized nature and by the private nature. And I was like, wow, this is like the first solid private money that individuals can have and I I uh, was fascinated by the fact it, it can go like international fast you know mm -hmm. low fees amazing I had no idea how it works though <laughs> not on the technical level so <clears throat> that was 2010 and 2013 I met uh, again we know we knew each other from before but I met again slush uh, and he started to explain that they have this idea about the hardware wallet together with Stick, my future other partner. And um, they were working on the idea to have a hardware wallet. And so we started to discuss. And I said, look, guys, I can help you a little bit with the marketing and business side. But, you know, I'm, I have my job, so it will be just in the evenings and so and so we started to work together for nine months, all the nights <laughs> until 3, 4 a.m. <laughs> I slept, I literally slept three to four hours a day. And then after nine months, I said, okay, you know what? <laughs> if I don't want to collapse, I, I need to make a choice. And I made my choice. And I think it was one of the best decisions in my life to just say goodbye to the traditional financing and, and go full on Bitcoin. And the funny thing is, I was just like two, three days ago, I, I saw some headline, I didn't even read the article, I saw some headline that Société Générale, which was the company I used to work for, is launching some project based on Bitcoin, on Bitcoin not Bitcoin blockchain, I guess just private blockchain or yeah. something like that. And when I was leaving SG and I had this farewell party with all, all my colleagues and the CEOs and um, I was telling them about Bitcoin, they were laughing at me like, Alena, you must be crazy. <laughs> you are totally crazy. Bitcoin, why Bitcoin? It's not backed by anything. It's not backed by state. And soon they will just, um, uh, you know, ban Bitcoin and 
that's that's over. But when you want, come back. You know, <laughs> <laughs> when Bitcoin fails, you are welcome to start again. And I was telling to the CEO. I said, Stefan, you better look into Bitcoin and you better start thinking about, you know, adopting bit Bitcoin technology uh, unless you want uh, to be eaten by Bitcoin. And so it was a lot of fun, <laughs> of course. And now I'm reading this article and I, I it feels good, you know, it feels um, um, like... I told you. It's <laughs> <laughs> a lot of that's a that's quite the vindication you've received from from uh, reading articles about it, and 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 I guess the way they said they're doing it, and a lot of businesses are kind of jumping on this bandwagon of of trying to build something that's private consortium style, not interacting with the public blockchain, and it's very similar to the. Um, I kind of use the analogy of using intranets in the early days of the internet. Uh, companies would do this because they didn't feel quite safe using the open and public cesspool that was the internet. Uh, and as time went on and the internet grew and, and security practices and standards became more apparent, then those intranets started to slowly bleed into the internet until we have what we have today, where the internet is the main thing and you have, there's intranets still exist, but they're not nearly as, uh, I guess, necessary or prolific as they used to be and i see a very similar trend in how cryptocurrencies or quote-unquote blockchain is unfolding and do you feel that it's going to follow that same trend or just they're going to fail and realize they can't do these things and they need to work on an open chain well um that's hard to say i feel like uh um as far as I know, the the banking and you know these insurance companies, all the traditional finances, it's um, it's a dinosaur. It's all dinosaurs. They are so slow to move and so slow to decide and so slow to adapt and so uh, afraid to like adopt new uh, technologies. It was just for me four years ago. It was impossible to get some open source software of course yeah right uh, and now i mean now they're talking about blockchain i i was a little bit sarcastic at the beginning i was saying hey okay the banks have no innovations they are dying out they are like literally like petrified they are petrified with all the rules and all the legal constraints and all the untrust that's in the environment and you know the um the regulation they're, they're literally not able to move and and very little able to innovate so any slight small innovations are uh, taking two to three years uh in the banking system so i'm i was and i am still a little bit skeptical about uh, about this but seeing that those banks started to hire people from the Bitcoin space uh, who know how the technologies work and who know the benefits. That may help. And then coming back to the question whether Bitcoin blockchain or uh, some private blockchain, um, I think proof of work is something that is an absolute uh, uh, must. And that's, that's the thing that we're looking for. Uh, whether banks need this, 
I don't know. They're working on some. They should be working on some alternative to Swift. Hey, Swift is like uh, multi-bank consortium. Let's say it's private company that connects all the or communicates uh, and and just sends messages about transactions. Um, why not just using Bitcoin blockchain? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, why not, right? You can have a layer, uh, uh, some informational layer that's uh, not public, right? And that is connected to the Bitcoin blockchain. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't really know uh, since I haven't studied any of the uh, of the uh, banking uh, private proposals on how they should work. Um, so I, I don't know how they want to do the processing of the transactions not sure. Do you know any? Have you have I've, you been? I've able? read I've read quite a few white papers with um, Hyperledger and Corda and and I've read a lot of the Ethereum and look forward to kind of reading what happens with the Ethereum enterprise um, stuff that will be coming out. But it's it's hard to say. I feel like this year will be a very large year of kind of make or break because we had a lot of proof of concepts in the past year with various blockchains and. A lot of people feel they're going to have, you know, quote unquote, production ready level systems this year and how those end up working. And if they solve the problems that the people set out to solve, then they can be built upon and things can move forward. Or it could be just a complete failure and they realize that something else needs to change or, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's hard to say what's going to happen only that something is definitely going to happen because people are throwing money into it and spending mm-hmm. a lot of time looking into it because there is a problem. There are inefficiencies, but how they solve the problem of shoring up those inefficiencies is a very difficult task because of what, as you mentioned, the petrification that they would like that they have all of the regulation, the way that everything moves very slow. Um, the rules that they need to follow and because they're kind of bounded by history in a lot of ways how they go yes. about doing it is, is is a very difficult process um, yeah. I, but to, to try to put together sorry to try to put together like 50 different institutions mm-hmm. and trying to find a consensus on how uh, to work on one new system it's nearly impossible, right? So if they try to invent something new, like it, it's impossible for two companies in one group. <laughs> and I'm speaking, and I'm speaking from my own um, experience, right? In SG, like uh, we were back then, we were trying to build a new um, uh, IT system for life insurance, right? Mm-hmm. And it took like two years just to discuss. <laughs> in the group like how oh I lost you your, your audio went out let's uh let's hang up and call right back Thirty-three thirty. Can you hear me now? Yep. Yes. 
Sorry about that. Your audio cut out. I'm going to make a note of that and we'll just uh, cut that little section out. So you can cut. <laughs> can. We just try not to cut a lot. Like I know a lot of people do a lot of production on just cutting out every pause, no, every um. I would prefer to have a natural conversation because I mean, it's more interesting to hear what a real purple, what a real person sounds like, and to be part of a, like feel like you're part of a real conversation. Mm-hmm. But we'll cut that out. <laughs> so, okay. So, so what was the last thing you heard? Uh, you were talking about trying to build, um, spending two years just talking about trying to do something within the company. Yes. And that's one company, right? Mm -hmm. So just imagine all these 50, 60 banks that basically don't trust each other, that don't want the other banks to see into their systems and trying to have them in one table and build something together. Um, I know. Um, good luck, right? <laughs> good yeah. luck trying well, to do so. That's kind of what all of us, all of this, this technology tries to promise is the ability to interact with people you don't necessarily trust at a foundational layer. Um, yeah. And be, through, you know, the, the, the magic of cryptography, you can kind of do these things. But it's, I think, what is missed by a lot of people hearing yeah. about the and promise. And the banking. Mm -hmm. is the, the banking. Go ahead. Continue. Yeah, sorry. I, I just wanted to add, you know, that I, I really wish uh, that the banking would adopt uh, this technology because banking today is the most corrupt space and it desperately needs something that we can rely on and go a little bit lightweight and, and uh, you know, fight the money laundering that's happening in banking, which is funny uh in in when you look at current events and how the legislation around uh, bitcoin is evolving and mainly in the european union and now you know china is uh, making some checks on the exchanges and making sure everything is working well and then europe is imposing new rules for bitcoin businesses pointing out that bitcoin is uh, used uh, is being used for money laundering and whatever bad uh, bad things out there. But the truth is like, hey, the, all the banking, all the huge banks are the biggest money launderers ever. <laughs> it certainly right? is interesting to kind of uh, like the 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 consensus of Bitcoin from the outside perspective is like that's drug money when. Yes. A lot of the things that most people will say they're afraid to use Bitcoin for is, by definition, how a lot of the traditional financial system works. Yeah. And Just look at, uh, was it Western Union that has gotten uh, a few few hundreds of millions of fine recently? It was just in the news last week. Yeah. Uh, for money laundering. Um and you know, so so the systems of the banks are are opaque, are uh, easy to break in, are uh, or relatively easy to break in. I haven't tried. I'm not a hacker, <laughs> <laughs> but many have, and many have succeeded, and are succeeding. In the systems are so complex and difficult that you know 
banks are only spending hundreds and mi- hundreds of millions on on cybersecurity, but they achieve nothing, literally. No, they sometimes there's a there's this um, there's this case of hundreds of millions of dollars uh, vanishing from banks without them being able to detect how, where, and why. <laughs> which you, which you'd the, imagine the, that like based on the everything is digital. Everything is the internet nowadays. Like we were increasingly become our, our digital lives are increasingly encroaching upon more and more of our daily our daily time and yet the security practices of 98% of that are terrible it's and that's that's talking about the institutions that we deal with like the security practices of most institutions are terrible we're only now getting to have something like two-factor authentication be a standard and things like that and I guess the people are going to have to understand how to secure their digital lives and that's why i like products like trezor and and kind of initiatives to to help do that is because you're making it easier to for people to secure what's their digital identity in a way that's kind of foolproof or much more difficult to hack using traditional methods Yeah, there's nothing basically to add. If you you've said it, uh, yes, said it right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Well, what are you excited about this year? In the space, uh, I'm just and not the space. <laughs> maybe just in the world. What are you excited about in the world? What's what is what does Alina care about right now? Uh, well, Elena is not so much excited about what's happening in the in uh, the, the world. Um, she's not very excited about um, the um, what's happening in Europe right now. There's a lot of tendency to of, of extremism, and uh, you know, with this, I'm, and now I'm on the political level and the level of the society and what's going on there. So you see a lot of, you know, with the uh, immigration from from uh, the Near East uh, and Africa, we have a lot of extremism. There's a lot of tension in the society, uh, a lot of populism growing, a, a massive amount. And that leads to... Um, Again, extremism, and uh, this was basically the same scenario or similar scenario before the Second World War, uh, where you know there was a quite a populist, let's say, socialist uh, um, party winning the NSDAP in Germany, mm-hmm. and um, that was creating jobs uh, and and making sure people have. Uh, have jobs on producing new weaponry, right? So, I don't know. Um, I'm not very excited about Europe. I'm not excited about uh, how the governments are trying to curb our freedoms and take away our freedoms. I'm not excited about the cashless society plan. Not at all. (laughs) Um, European Union is cutting uh, the... uh, 
the cash transfers to I think seven seven thousand five hundred euros, and it's it's a gradual, you know, it's it's a it's a process. So we will end up on having a limit on one thousand euros uh, per transaction, and anything above that will have to be uh, um, through the bank transfer. Uh, I'm not happy about the censorship, uh, especially uh, in Czech and Slovak Republic. Uh, the governments have uh, validated um, or are discussing proposals of censorship of the internet, which is outrageous. In today's times, yeah. this is, I think, outrageous. We are not uh, China, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah. we are used to our freedom. And what saddens me even more that the people are uh, in a kind of lethargy. M many people are just... Um, it's a hmm? sense of complacency like this. I, I, don't, I don't understand it and I have no will to understand it. And I have no time to read upon the things and people are just in their lives home, work to home and sleep and repeat, right? <laughs> And so, so um, sorry for being uh, negative, and uh, you know uh, that that's one of the reasons I'm I decided to to take a take a break uh, of Europe for the moment, uh, at least for some time. Uh, uh, I'm still though excited about uh, a lot of people that are active, uh, despite. Uh, you know, there there were there were a lot of hopes uh, for a fast takeoff of Bitcoin, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of people thought in hey, in five years' time, uh, Bitcoin will be everywhere, and uh, let's Bitcoinize the world. And it's not happening that fast. But I'm excited about the fact that there's still a lot of people dedicating their time uh, and developing new, new new things, and that. The tools that we use today are far, actually far from what we've been using uh, five years ago. Or oh, man. Not me, but... Right. I, do you, what was your first wallet? Uh, the Bitcoin Core wallet. Okay. So you're even, uh, you are even more advanced. I, I, my first wallet was Electrum. And when I opened Electrum... I, I swear I was lost. <laughs> I had no idea what to do. Right now you open uh, whatever app, app like, uh, okay, Mycelium is my favorite uh, also because of the integration with Trezor, but it, it starts to get a little bit more complicated than it was before. Mm -hmm. But then you have like, uh, I don't know, Bread Wallet, uh, Jax, and all these wallets that are so simple. And so nice <laughs> compared to what we come had. It's a long way. And only, I mean, I'd say the majority of that has been over the last few years. A lot of it was just trying to build basic infrastructure. And only now have we gotten to the point where we can really start to, you know, try and make it easier for users to understand, use, and, and buy things, actually have enough merchants so you can use their Bitcoin. It's not just this speculative investment. That's uh, just this, and that, that's exciting. And to see that become more and more easier. But my job as an educator and on-ramper has drastically changed over the past, you know, just year. Mm -hmm. 
And really? it's, it's kind of exciting to see it continue to go that route. But it's also gotten more difficult because the space has expanded in the types of things that you can do with the technology. And you have many coins that do many different things. And it's, so it's, it's kind of this give and take. I'm excited about all of it. But mm. it's impossible to keep up now. It's a, it's completely impossible to keep up, you know, and also because I was traveling for the past month, uh, I wasn't online much. Uh, it, it sometimes feels good, you know, to oh, just, just break, <laughs> break out. Uh, but um, in order not to suffer from uh, lack of Bitcoin, I went to the Miami Hackathon uh, <laughs> Bitcoin hackathon to mm -hmm. to to see new projects, and um, there was a there was a pretty interesting uh, hackathon actually. Uh, a lot of projects were done. Uh, I know. Have you been able to follow? Uh, it not, was just not that one, but I've been following kind of the space. It was just before the uh, Miami Bitcoin conference. Uh, so around mid mid January, mm -hmm. and one of my you know, and I was I happened to be the judge there, um, so I I could see all the all the nice projects uh, happening, and one of my favorites was I think was Michael Tidwell, who worked on notarization service for medical uh, trial consents, so. He's working in the space. He said, you know, uh, this is a very expensive uh, process to actually have a proof that the client, that the, that the person has given a consent to a medical trial. As simple mm -hmm. as it sounds, mm -hmm. it requires multiple parties to work together and, you know, have a good proof. So he used the blockchain and, and build the project on top of that. And I think this is a very viable product that can be, uh, can be uh, uh, sold to, to the companies that need it. So, yeah, a uh, lot, of, lot of good stuff. Uh, another interesting project that was there uh, was um, similar, actually. And, uh, and not, again, an authorization kind of service or a proof of authorship for artists. So something like a ledger for artwork mm -hmm. where you could, you know, upload your uh, artwork and probably create a hash of the, <laughs> of the big souls. I don't know. And um, yeah, so I hope to see, I hope to see these kinds of applications on top of the blockchain. I really do. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing alternate use cases and how we, how the creativity of the space really explodes and how people come up with things that we haven't quite thought about yet. And I think, I think yeah. that's a great way to to, to wrap up mm. this uh, this interview, excluding the last question that we ask all of our guests. <laughs> uh, okay. Can, can you explain Bitcoin in ten words or less? <laughs> You've been asking the same question um, in our first um, podcast, and I said, "No, please don't ask me." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the, the more the more you get into Bitcoin, the more difficult it becomes um, 
and there was uh, actually a, a big discussion on some other podcasts I've been uh, I've been invited to recently whether Bitcoin is uh, digital gold or not, and whether uh, or whether it's uh, digital cash or not. Um, so if I can take this example, I'd say um, for most of the participants in the in the market. Bitcoin today, as I see it, is digital gold. So some some way of, you know, preserving some value and some way of investment. Um, for the people who are actively uh, working in Bitcoin and earning Bitcoin, for those people, Bitcoin is digital cash. For people who want to shop online, Bitcoin is digital cash. And I would say Bitcoin is much more than that. Um now you have to go research online. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely one of those things that is is impossible to sum it's, up in ten words or less, and that's the reason why we ask it. Is that we want yes, yes. we want the audience to really <laughs> kind of like hear the abstraction. Yeah. Uh, well, however, you try to narrow it to ten words, I uh, I think you will fail. <laughs> because you would have to simplify uh, for the sake, you know, uh, of the of the ten words, uh, but then you would downgrade Bitcoin to what it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that sounds kind of mysterious, and it's not what you want <laughs> to hear. And hey, uh, everyone has to discover Bitcoin for himself. For some, it's a perfect way to uh, do business internationally. Right to make payments. Oh my God! For us, it's been a blessing to work uh, with uh, with partners and not having to send money over banks. Mm-hmm. Right, it's, it's a blessing for for international trade. Uh, we just need to, you know, build the services and find the clients that are, they are there. They are just there. They just need to be a little bit educated and guide it through the process and help them out, you know. This, this is, I think, the international uh, property uh, feature of Bitcoin is its killer app. This is a killer app for Bitcoin. Global agree. system, right? Mm-hmm. Why, why searching, why looking more? Like if this is like the, the first thing I, I saw in Bitcoin when I told you I was studying, researching for my thesis, I was actually comparing uh, Bitcoin not to dollar or any other currency. I was comparing Bitcoin to SDR. SDR is a basket. It's a, it's an abbreviation for special drawing rights. Mm-hmm. And it's an international system currently um, issued by or held by IMF. Uh, you know, an organization that any sane person on this planet hates. Uh, <laughs> but okay, right? Yeah. IMF is trying to revive SDR as a project of, it's a basket of, let's say, 20 to 30 different um, currencies, commodities, uh, and, you know, creating some international currency for settlement between the countries. Mm-hmm. It's an attempt have, to make the most stable value metric. 
Uh, yes. And now they are including Yuan, uh, which is a funny thing, you know, you, you see how the powers are shifting and how China is getting ready to go international and how IMF is grabbing even more power over the system. So I was, I would see Bitcoin, you know, on the level of international settlements and directly competing to IMF and those people. All right. Well, that, that wraps it up quite nicely. Thank you, Alina, for coming on the show. I, I appreciate you uh, taking the time out of your, your day to, to talk to us. Well, thank you so much for having me again. And, um, well, I hope we can hear each other soon. Right back at you. Okay. Thanks. Hey, everybody. That's not how I usually come in. And somebody breathing in the mic. That has got that stuff on his face. (laughs) (laughs) He's got like rusted, he's got like a microphone resting underneath your nostril. Yeah. I really need stands. With Elena Shinova, who was formerly with Treasure. Uh, Amazing interview. Amazing woman amazing woman she's the most amazing woman i've ever known just say it d say it say what say it that she's the most amazing woman i've ever known but you don't know her you don't know her say say she's cute (laughs) oh she is cute she's very cute but that's that's besides the point she's uh she's great that's not beside the point that just adds to her accolades she could be amazing and smart and that's very true but you know, she's got she's got nice shoes. She's got it going on, Bossa Nova. Women like compliments. True, they do. Everyone likes Not compliments. There's nobody that doesn't like compliments. They just don't take them well sometimes. Yeah. When people can't take compliments, because it makes you feel weird for doing something nice. That's it. Like, oh, you got a nice shirt on today. Oh, 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 and you're like, why are you flipping out, man? Control yourself. I said you got a nice shirt. Nice, awesome, possum anyway. shirt you got. Elena, thank you for coming on the show. You know it's open invitation. You can come back whenever, or you can come to Texas and kick it in the coffee shop with me. For a send us some treasures. <laughs> you can send us some treasures. Send us some treasures. We want to we wanna try out the new Treasure 2.0. That's what we want to do. Yeah. So I'm going to open up the second half of the show by saying... Does not get past Bitcoin is going to die. Damn. So, so I've been a Bitcoin evangelical since I learned about Bitcoin. Since a little bit after I learned about Bitcoin, I will talk Bitcoin to an eighty-year-old grandma at the airport. I don't give a. But I do know that this this is stupid. So basically, the miners have everyone by the um, testicles right now making a lot of money there's a lot of money every day 1.8 million i think bitcoin coming into circulation every day split amongst the miners that they get to get all these spoils made the network and that's what they're doing and this is bs because there's no better scaling solution than segwit right now 
And if you want to, if you want to chime into our Slack and you want to argue with us on this, you can. Free, but there's no better segue. There's no better segue. That's what I'm saying. There's no better scaling solution than segue, right? Well, here's the here's the thing. Is Correct. That, like, so right now, in terms of softworks, that's pretty much the only thing on the table that's contentious or like this the, the scaling solution for softworks currently right now that's being voted on of the Bitcoin improvement proposals, um, also known as BIPs. And even like Andreas has said this, requires a quite a, quite a large consensus amongst the miners, 95% or super majority to vote yes to pass a BIP and by the miners for a soft fork. And it's essentially like Andreas put it pretty, pretty simply is that if we cannot pass SegWit, then we cannot pass anything. And there's not much that can happen after that. It's like, okay, well, if you can't, if you're stagnant, then what, this is, this is Bitcoin. What we have now will be the continuation of what Bitcoin is because we can't come to a consensus or a, or a conclusion on something that, on something that is, that benefits the system. Like even if, that's the idea. If we can't pass this, we can't pass anything. So this is the system that we have. And this is the functionality that it will continue to have because we simply don't move forward from here because every issue is a political issue and no one passes anything. So there you go. And I I kind of follow that that line of logic. And whether or not you say Bitcoin is dead, I don't know. It is what it is. And... I don't like essentially that comes down to it of if we can't pass this, then we can't pass anything and nothing changes. You either move on to a different system or you continue to like yeah. the system for what it does based on its current functionality. Um, I also saw another tweet from Ryan X. Charles. It was one of the tweets that he did that I liked, uh, which was um, if the fee to use Bitcoin ends up costing more than the cost to run a full node. Then no one's going to run full nodes, because if you run a full node, then you don't get paid. There's no incentivization scheme for running a full node outside of verifying your own transactions, which isn't much of an incentivization scheme. So, essentially, the centralization of people verifying transactions and relaying messages increases because there's no point to run a full node. Unless you're like being altruistic to the system, which isn't going to happen. You can't. You can't kind of base what people are going to do based on altruism. That never works. It never works. So yeah, we're kind of so at a standpoint. All I'm saying is, this is this is shenanigans. And from a consumer, someone who uses Bitcoin, what? our in this instance things together and unite and form Captain Bitcoin and force the miners to, to activate SegWit and how would we do that? Would we have to take all our Bitcoin and move it to Ethereum? Statement to say if you're not willing to adapt and change then that kind of goes against one of the principles that got me into Bitcoin it's like oh it's programmable money if it needs to do something, we could just get it to do something because it's a good thing and needs to be updated. 
But if we go forever, if we're taking forever to make an upgrade, which is an obvious upgrade that needs to be made, then at this point, it's like, okay, well, what can the consumer do? Because it's driven by market principles. So what could the consumer do to say, okay, miners, well, we're not going to put up with it. Vote with your feet, as they say. That's it. You heard it, everyone. So Segwit has a little bit more time, and as it gets closer, if it doesn't get to that 95% consensus, then that's the statement that says that this network can't change. It's it's, it's grabbed by the the balls. By the alternative the is Bitcoin so. Unlimited, which is a completely different development team. A much smaller, in my opinion, smaller percentage of people in the in the community, and a much more contentious change. So it's not as battle tested. It's more of a, a a solution that is a um complaint that other things are stagnant, right? It's like here, okay, since no one's going to do anything, we're going to do this, and it's a much more that has- difficult to un- difficult to understand what will happen if we do this. Segwit is the, in my opinion, and a lot of other people's opinions, safer option that also gets things, pushes us in the right direction, which a lot of development can come from. So say we do Bitcoin Unlimited, they then still will probably have to do segregated witness or Segwit, but they're doing the, in my opinion, more contentious change first, instead of seeing what Segwit can offer. And the testing and the amount of development put into segregated witness is far beyond what anything else has been put forward as a solution to the scaling problem. There, sh- there shouldn't so be a question about this. And you're a little bit confused on the segregated witness thing and you don't know what it is. Feel free to come into our Slack, go through our website, come into Slack. We'll talk about it with you. We'll get you updated on what SegWit means. Yeah, I can tell you exactly what it means. Offers. Huh? They can Google what it means, Corey, but you always think that everyone Googles things, and they do not. Oh, no, I can tell you what it so... means. If you have questions, I can answer them with with plenty of detail. And if it gets down to the detail where I can't answer it, I can tell you exactly where to go to find that answer. True that. But... We can be your Bitcoin Sherpas. It's part of, part of what we do here. So, but the, I'll say that again. If if Segwit doesn't pass, then Bitcoin needs a a wide, a hard, hard wake up call from the consumers. And like you said, you vote with your feet. Just take take your Bitcoin, move it over to Ethereum. Ethereum's doing fine. Ethereum's well, doing great that, things. Ethereum has I, a very bright future. That would be a vote. Huh? That would be a certain like that's the one thing I think consumers can do is take their money out of the system. I mean, for miners, since miners are the only ones that can pass a soft fork. And that what they make is heavily dependent upon the evaluation of the token. If everyone takes their money out of the system, they're spending all the resources on something that no one wants to use. So it's within their benefit to follow what the consumers want. And if That's the, cons- the ultimate chokehold. And if this thing needs to get political, then I'll, we'll get political. Oh, it's political like, already. we got a little There's bit of a community. plenty of politics, but... The consumer doesn't quite know what they can do because there's not much they can do other than take Follow their the money brand. out and walk away. Exodus, take your money, move it over to Ethereum, and just watch the Bitcoin price go to nothingness. When they get their shit together, then you make an educated decision on how much you move back into Bitcoin, but Bitcoin will have learned its lesson and hopefully it can grow. 
But at this point, it's enough is enough, guys. This is a clear solution here. We've been working on it for two years. Let's give it a shot. I'm going to start official campaign, get Segwit passed, or else. That's what we're going to call it. Are you, are you, it's going to be me. You P. Diddy, vote or die? That's that's gonna that's the extreme level of of uh, campaigning <laughs> I'm gonna do. Vote or die. Point over to Ethereum or die, and I will find you and I will kill you. It's cool technology, and I'm, ex I'm excited about what can what can happen once it's passed. But nothing can really happen. I mean, you can still do Lightning Network based on the current implementation. It's just so much harder and so much more expensive and not nearly as efficient. And that, like, what's the point? Yeah. There's no reason why. So we need I, to, I think the, the, it comes down to what I said earlier. If you, can't, if you can't vote on this and you can't change this, then nothing's ever going to change. What is it between Bitcoin Unlimited or SegWit? Pretty much, yeah. Those are the two yeah. scaling options that have the most research and battle testing and kind of like the two different camps. Uh, and that's pretty much it in terms of dealing with, and don't get me wrong, the point of segregated witness is to fix transaction malleability. It just offers scaling solutions along with it. But the point of segregated witness is that you can build many, 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 it allows you to build many, many, many things on top of Bitcoin. Once transaction malleability is fixed. Now that shouldn't be a contentious change. The point is to fix a problem that we have in the Bitcoin protocol. It's not a scaling solution. It just, once it happens, there are a lot of scaling solutions that can be done safely. And a lot of other really cool stuff that can be done safely, like the lightning network, which is a scaling solution. Now Schnorr signatures, which aggregates signatures into, into one essentially. A lot I'm of other so really cool stuff. Like, no, like, yeah, there's so many th cool things you can do that people have been wanting to do that can't be done until transaction malleability changes. So, get off your political yeah, high well, horse. Why can't we just let Litecoin test? They are without first. Charlie Lee is testing it. A lot of a lot of networks are testing it, but I think this that you can't. That's it's got to pass over there the too. Network. The networks are so slow. Or so small in comparison that it's hard to yeah, say. You can you know. use you can use Bitcoin Unlimited for just immediate scaling needs, and then just use Litecoin to test out Segwit first, right? Well, the idea of well, Bitcoin Unlimited is a hard fork. That's just changing over to a whole new chain, and that requires a lot, lot, lot more consensus uh, than a soft fork, and. It's also a hard change. So if you don't upgrade or you upgrade incorrectly, you're not on the chain. Then you're screwed. The uh -huh. software, there's there's a little bit of like leeway in how you upgrade. And the potentials of losing your monies monies are less. But we also don't know what's going to happen if we have a dynamically changing block size. The economics associated with transaction fees and block size and network capabilities are just simply unknown. And there's, uh, it also opens up a lot more attack vectors for people to attack the system. 
And there's, there's, we don't want that. Uh, Segwood is such a clear, clear winner in for at this juncture. Scaling is something that doesn't happen until it needs to happen. And right now, what needs to happen is Segwood. That needs to happen. Um, unlimited, super large, uber duper block sizes. Yeah, maybe. Maybe that's a good thing for down line, but there's not that many damn people using Bitcoin right now. I mean, Bitcoin is still a very, very tiny fish in a very, very big pond. There's currently a so, very large number of unconfirmed transactions in, the, in people's mempools, which means that people are submitting transactions to the network and it's not getting through, which means that it takes a long time for your transaction to be confirmed. Get its first which confirmation, is which is bad, right? That's really bad. And why is really that? Because you can't can fit enough transactions into the into the block. So the end, end user experience is they don't get it. They don't, they don't get their transactions. Like, this is slow. Yeah. yeah. This community is filled with binary comparisons. That's all we talk about. Oh, yeah? That's really the most of life is a binary comparison. How do you, what do you well, why? Because we have two options. Down to binary. Yeah, soft fork, hard fork, decentralization versus centralization, home nodes versus data centers, trustless versus trusted, Thanos versus Roger Ver. So there's always, we're always comparing something. Well, I think that's a human thing. Like, we always want to have a dichotomy to choose from. It's like either this or that. I mean, there's definitely gray areas and pros and cons to both things. It's just right now, the two, there's only two real there's only two real solutions that have come forth and people have kind of created political factions around these two solutions based on how they think bitcoin should be used and i think that's more of a human communication or like human nature thing of like people ra rallying around based on their ideology but in terms of like actual technicalities there's only two real solutions that are viable for the system and i think people just latched onto that because of like what you just said we love dichotomies we love it man not much can't be distilled down to a decision between two things everything is binary almost everything if it weren't then binary wouldn't have taken off like it did and is now the the, the of how we build all of these electronics. So, it is or it isn't. We're going to get deep. We're going to get deep. We need to grind down the episode. Yeah, let's cut it out. In base. Let's get out of here. Anderson Silva fights tonight. In other news, Salt Blue. Bay has like nine kids. I'm going to watch that. Oh, well, let's wind this shit down. Stuff. Let's wind this down. So we're the Bitcoin podcast. Uh, we also have other shows that we release on our feed. So if you've been listening, you're like, hey, this isn't those guys. It's somebody different. Then you either listen to the block channel or you listen to just me talk to somebody in the community who needs to be on ramp to Bitcoin because they're like, hey, I keep hearing that Bitcoin is cool. And by the way, you as listeners who wants to be on ramp to Bitcoin, why not have them come on a show called on ramping with D. So, uh, what else do we do? We, um, we've got 
our blog on Medium, the Bitcoin Podcast blog. We have a affiliation with Purse. Purse is where you can go to get all the things you would get on Amazon, but for less, you're saving money. And you can use our link or BTC cast is our code whenever you go there. Why'd you make that face, Corey? I saw a picture on Reddit. That was that was oh, okay. sketchy. I thought I said our code wrong. Okay. Um BTC cast is our code. Um, block channel. Did I mention block channel? Yeah, it's another show that we release on our feed. Uh, uh, Steve Mackey, uh, he, he does a show where he interviews uh, people that are building things in, in pretty much the Ethereum network, maybe Zcash, uh, just projects that you wouldn't ordinarily hear about if you are really absorbed with Bitcoin. Definitely a so that's developer centric podcast, I'd say. Yeah, very, yeah, very developer centric. How you can get started uh, as a young developer what you should be doing and looking into. So if you're making stuff in your basement right now, you uh, are wondering how do you can build stuff and projects you can work on, you'll, you're you going to get an idea there. Um, What else do we do, guys? We do so much. Eh, we'll start in a, we're starting up our store soon. We'll be selling Bitcoin swag, T-shirts, hats, starting out, and we'll have other cool stuff coming yep. at you. Look for our crochet drinking about gloves. our new store soon. Crochet drinking gloves from Corey's wife? Maybe. Maybe I can get her to pump out a bunch of those. And our, our Philly, was it Philly? The Bitcoin Meetup by Ken Bozak. Yeah, um, Bitcoin, Bitcoin Meetup. Bitcoin Ken Bozak. Sisters. You're in Philly. Check out Ken's Meetup. We'll, uh, we'll post mm-hmm. a link to it in the show notes so that you can go there. If you're still around listening. We tried to say no one's listening still but apparently people still are because d bet 20 bucks or 10 bucks or something like that last time and said tweet us and now we get all those tweets that says who cares <laughs> so thanks I'm for not so, doing that thanks again. for continuing to listen to us because i know there's still people who care <laughs> all right let's go all right well we're gonna wrap this one up guys uh don't don't waste too much more time segway doesn't get past we need to stand up as consumers we can do this well play